Go. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Espresso Bar. We're here today with Eric from Ivy Cat Web Studios. Um, and as always, myself and Seth. And um, let's get started by having Eric. Um, why don't you talk about yourself, what you do, and uh, and why you're so awesome. <laughs> Uh, so you want the humility version, right? Um, <laughs> exactly. So uh, I run Ivy Cat Web Services. We're in Gig Harbor, Washington, a little south of Seattle. And um, we are basically just a WordPress shop. All we do is WordPress development. And um, over the years, we've moved from doing a lot more small business sites that are just sort of like postcardy kind of WordPress sites to more complex stuff like e-commerce or event management stuff. And um, there are currently three of us that are full-time. We had four, but uh, developer got a job with the state, a little better benefits or whatever. So uh, we do use contractors, and we're looking for some good Venespresso developers to work on contract basis if there are any out there. Um, and what are we, why are we so good? I would say, um, you know, the spiel that I give our customers is that we have a really holistic sort of view of um, website development. In that uh, you know, we realize there's a whole bunch of factors that go into making a website successful, and we try to address as many of those factors as possible. So, um, you know, we've got some local competition that's really good at design, and they throw up some really great design websites, but they don't really work that well. You know, there's no usability to them, or they uh, can't be found by search engines. So, so that's really my spiel. That's what we try and do. We try and go in and talk to the customer about. Um, what it is that they're about and uh, what it is that their customers about, what their customers need, and then try and craft a solution for them that uh, really works for them and hopefully doesn't look like a WordPressy template. <laughs> so great. one of the websites that we first uh, heard uh, or saw, well, I guess it's not the first one because you did another site a while ago um, for Coach Mendo, but one of the ones that we keep hearing uh, again and again about um, is this site right here, Anna's Bay. Um, so one of the things I wanted to uh, ask you about is what is your design process um, like? Um, did you know from the start that this was going to be an event espresso site, or did that sort of um, come up later and, and sort of had to do it? Because there's, there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of attention um, put towards making the registration system um, not look like the event espresso registration system. Right. Um, well, do you want to walk us through that a little bit? I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> so, um, you mentioned Coach Mendo, who was the first, uh, he was actually the first client that we ever had that used event espresso. He's how I found out about, about event espresso. He came to us with a site that a previous developer had worked on and had put event espresso in, but I, if I remember right, they didn't quite get everything set up correctly. And then, um, as is often the case, we, we end up inheriting uh, sites from developers that have flaked out for some reason. So anyway, we got this site. We had never seen Event Espresso, and we had to get it up in working order. And um, I think we contacted Seth a whole bunch of <laughs> during that time and moved up into direction. But, uh, so that's how we sort of got our feet wet with Event Espresso. And then um, Anna's Bay, they are a little nonprofit in a, a town called Union, Washington. And, and basically their whole uh, mission is to improve their community through music. And uh, Union, Washington is near Shelton, which is sort of uh, 
an old logging town, sort of a depressed economy. So there's really, you know, like the schools don't get a lot of funding and stuff like that. So it was really neat that this um, organization raises money and then they go into schools and actually put in, you know, put on music classes where the schools can't fund music anymore or, or that sort of stuff. So we heard about, about them because there's another nonprofit in Union um, that uh, called Harmony Hill that actually runs a Drupal site and um, they're a cancer, um, sort of a cancer, not camp, but a, a destination. They do workshops and that sort of stuff. Um, and so they found us on a local search and needed a little bit of help. And then uh, they were just really impressed with our service, I guess, and um, ended up asking uh, for us to quote on Anna's Bay. And uh, interestingly, the guy who had us quote on Anna's Bay was the guy who originally did Anna's Bay. Um, but he had, was getting away from web development and he realized that his current system so so we got a hold of us um, we talked to him at length about what they needed and um, basically it was primarily an event management site and a blogging platform i mean they needed to be able to sell tickets to events and advertise events but then they also needed to update their own membership and the public in general on um, what was going on with their organization they run corrals and things like that and um, so, so that's how we got into it. And, um, and so you asked about our design process and I would say, you know, anymore what we start out with, with customers is, or is a big discovery meeting you know, or a series of discovery meetings where I ask just a ton of questions, uh, some of which are kind of invasive about, you know, their organization, what makes them successful, who their competitors are, you know, how their folks purchase or whatever. And then based on that, we work up wireframes for what we think would fit their needs, you know, like in this case, they're a nonprofit. Um, so nonprofits have a certain set of needs. And so we work up wireframes and then, um, you know, we talk to them a lot about design and those kind of preferences and then just sort of bring it all together and, and put together a mock-up that we feel like, you know, represents their brand well. And then um, at the same time, you know, in the back end, we're doing whatever setup we need with uh, WordPress and Event Espresso to get the guts working. Anna's Bay was a challenge because there are some things on Anna's Bay that we're doing that are not built into a Ben Espresso. So we had to do some coding around things to um, present some data in, a, in the way that we wanted to. And I think some of those things are actually going to be solved by your next version of a Ben Espresso with a more robust hook and filter system. Yeah, one of the things that we've, that we've heard um, since the site was sort of launched was, um, you know, I want to, I want to, build a site that's exactly like Anna's Bay. <laughs> and we're like, well, we didn't do that. That was done by Ivycat, and obviously they did a lot of work. I, I don't know that you could have a site exactly like that uh, without doing pretty extensive uh, extensive development and, and coding. Yeah. yeah, it's been a great sales piece for us. Um, and, <laughs> I mean, seriously, we've you guys have given us some of Ben Espresso references, and people see Anna's Bay and think, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's really cool. And it doesn't necessarily look like it's a uh, WordPress blog or that it's a templated, you know, event site. Yeah. We actually are working on another uh, project for a customer in uh, San Francisco in Knob Hill and um, they're, they, it's an event espresso site, but they're selling, they're selling tickets for Live Nation basically, or they're selling the option to buy tickets through Live Nation. Sort of, it's a uh, Masonic Lodge in Knob Hill in, uh, San Francisco and the people in the surrounding neighborhoods get 
dibs on tickets that are sold at that Masonic Lodge. So we're creating a site where those people in the neighborhood can register as members and then they get uh, access to tickets like 30 days ahead of time. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. What is what is that website again? That one's going to be called, it's Knob Hill Now, and it's actually still in development. I mean, I think if we get some screen share stuff, I could probably show you something about it if you wanted to. But uh, oh, yeah. again, it, it's uh, it was one where Annis Bay was instrumental in the sales process, and uh, he came back to us and said, I really like that layout. So uh, so it does have a layout similar to Annis Bay and some functionality similar, but um, different uh, target audience. Cool. I think uh, we had another, I think there was another customer a couple of years ago that was using Vanespresso, and it was, I think it might have been another Knob Hill something, I don't know, I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was in San Francisco or if it was it was somewhere else, but I remember that, I kind of remember that name, that's why, mm -hmm. that's why I was asking about the website. But looking on Google, there's like Knob Hill Golf Club and Knob Hill Elementary and Okay. Yeah, well, there's a Knob Hill in, in California, too. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said San Francisco. Different, yeah. different. Okay. So that, that Knob Hill. Sorry, I was spacing. Oh, Colorado. Is there, there's another one in Colorado, I think. So. Hmm. That's interesting. Pretty cool. I see some folks in the chat room saying my mic is low. Can you hear me all right, or do I just need to quit mumbling? Can you hear me now? <laughs> I can hear you just fine. Um Talk again? Okay, I'm talking. <laughs> yeah, it, you sound fine. It, it right. sounds fine to me. So I'll just try and concentrate on not mumbling. <laughs> um, so, how many how many Vanespresso projects have you worked on? Let's say that is a great question. You sort of gave me a heads up on this question beforehand, and I haven't uh, had a chance to count. I would guess that we are probably. 12 to 15, something like that. We have several customers that use just like the free version of a Espresso for very basic kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. We have incorporated it into all sorts of sites. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, Eric, um, for anybody who's who's watching who doesn't already know, um, IvyCAD is one of the our event espresso pros. Um, how many of those uh, projects came out of putting your listing on, on our website? And how many of those happened before that? Great question. Um, I would say that uh, probably four or, f you know, I've got several leads through the um, website. I would say I've probably got ten leads through the website, and of those, maybe six have turned out into something from either a small sort of, hey, patch this kind of thing with a Ven Espresso project to um, a full-scale, you know, website. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're working on another site for a, um, a company in Thailand. They do uh, diving, and it's an event espresso. Site. Oh, is that the GS diving? It's Wicked Diving. Is oh, that's that? Wicked. Yeah, yeah, Wicked Diving. diving. Um, so if you go to wickeddiving.com, you'll see the, the state of their site right now, and then visit it again in a couple months, and you'll see it event espressoized. Because there's, there's another site, I guess they're based out of Shanghai, um, that they do diving, and they're, um, they, they're called GS Diving. I've done some work with them. Um, yeah. For we recently, the last thing that I worked on with them was um, they, what they they wanted they wanted to uh, use the seating chart um, to book their boats. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to come up with a custom layout for um, for 
sort of like the cabin layout in in the boats. And, oh, interesting. I'll need to yeah. talk to you about that because this. Is about that too. You said, you know, ideally, we'd like to do that. I don't think budget permits this go around, but. Cool. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, it, yeah, seating chart is is not the best thing to to. I mean, it's possible. Uh, it doesn't look very pretty, um, but it, it it it's functional and and it, it definitely can be used for that. There's other there's other scenarios where you could get it to look a lot better um, than trying to make your uh, seating chart a boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hope, hopefully in the uh, in the next um, year or so we're gonna. Yeah, make the seating chart look a lot better and, and give it quite a bit more functionality. I think it's it's um it was a great I think it, what we have now is a great start, um but it's not where it's just not at a level where we would like it to be currently. Um, but it it gets the job done. Um, you know. Well, what would be awesome someday is to to be able to for it to sort of handle um you know like bowl seating. Um, yeah, you know, like I mean, we 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 have the we have the University of Utah hockey thing that they're using the volume discounts thing. Wouldn't it be awesome to have like them or like the University of Utah gymnastics team be able to do? Cause they've got this crazy bowl uh, seating in that in that stadium and just all circle and just you know we can't handle circles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> circles and CSS don't work well together. Yeah, it's mainly just a big. It's all laid out in blocks or and stuff. So yeah, that would be great. I mean, I would love to see the seating chart. Progress to a to a point where we people are using it for for like you said like bowl seating and then concerts and, and stuff like that and even you know half circle layouts. Um, one of the one of the things we have planned with the seating chart um, is you know one of our developers uh, he's always thinking outside the box and uh, he wants to be able to to make it so that people can draw in their seating and stuff on a on a seating chart map and, and have it all. Uh, clickable and and you know so you can click and select the seats that way. It's a uh, it's it'll take a lot of work. Um, you know, probably do some HTML canvas stuff as somebody mentioned in uh, in IRC. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sorry to, we didn't mean to get off track on the seating chart, but <laughs> I guess we haven't really ch talked about it though. Huh? So um, yeah, awesome. Uh, Eric sent in some questions to us um, too, and I, I I asked around and uh, got some responses from s some members of our team, and um, Seth and I came up with some some answers. So we could uh, you want to ask us your questions, and I can read off what what everybody else said, and then and then sure. Seth and I can go. We okay. can post these questions online later too. Yep, we could do that. So uh, one question I had was, um, what's the biggest challenge for you personally at Event Espresso? Is it like programming, staffing, customer support, infrastructure, that kind of stuff? So Chris. What do you think? Is your mic on, Chris? I think we just lost mic. Uh -oh. mic. Okay, no, I'm here. <laughs> I clicked the button and then it didn't do anything. Okay, so uh, we'll start with um, Darren's response, um, which has a lot to do with uh, being a distributed team. Um, you know, the challenges involving being a distributed team, um, and and he believes, or he, 
you know, we've been using Google Hangouts a lot um, to, to come together, and we've been using IRC, obviously, and so that stuff, those things help um, in, in being a distributed team, but he, um, one of the, his challenges has been, you know, it would be really cool if we could all just sort of get into the same place um, and have, you know, a, a powwow. Um, we've got people in various parts of Canada. We've got Seth and I in Utah. Garth is up in Idaho. Um, you know, other people in the in the south and the east. I mean, we've got people all over the place. So um, it's 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 a challenge trying to work with with people that are that are so far um, so far away from each other. Um, and then another one, another challenge that he talks about is the time it's been taking to to develop 4.0, um, which has to do with with so many changes happening in the core, um, and and how frustrating that is for him as a developer, um, because there's a lot of stuff that's just not going to be obvious to people, um, because they're going to be looking at the the user interface and not obviously the stuff that's under the hood. Um, and that's where a lot of the work is. Um, and then he says, finally, there just isn't enough time in the day. We need 48-hour days. <laughs> is that it? I'd say 60. <laughs> or we just need to clone ourselves. Yeah, so. I've, I've already considered cloning. <laughs> um, so Michael, who's also one of our develop, development team working on, on um, 4.0 and, and payment gateways, he says he's the, and he's the second newest guy at, at Event Espresso. Um, one of his challenges has been trying to code as one, um, staying coordinated with the other developers. Um, he says we each naturally have our own strengths and styles, and it's hard to keep that from creating a big mess of massy, messy, inconsistent, and buggy code. Um, and he goes on to talk about um, an issue that they had where, where they're dealing with, with different interpretations of how to deal with payments and, and when the payment um, information from the gateway comes in and, and what to do with that information. Um, so just, just, you know, trying to keep a consistent code base and a consistent style in the code um, when probably all of us are used to pretty much coding by ourselves. Um, and we know, we know we have our own style and we think that this is the right way of doing things, but, you know, Brent or Darren or somebody will come along and say, well, why didn't you do it this way? Mm -hmm. Can I interject a question real quick? Sure. So do you at Event Espresso have coding standards that you enforce? Like, you know, Increasingly, you yes. Um, we didn't. <laughs> a do lot. You the WordPress coding standards? Mostly. Um, that's, we sort of, when we started trying to do coding standards, we basically use the WordPress coding standards as a base and we're saying, well, we'll just do it the way WordPress has done it. Um, the problem with that becomes um, there's a lot of places in Event Espresso where we're not doing things the WordPress way and it's intentional. Um, for, for instance, uh, you know, in, in the future versions of, of Event Espresso, as we move through the 4.0, the 4, the 4 cycle, um, we're going to start doing more stuff like and integrating custom post types, but we're not going to be doing custom post types the custom post types way necessarily, because it's not necessarily the most efficient way to get data. Um, and I'm sure that uh, Darren in, in the chat is going to have a, a field day in talking about that. But um, so there there are queries that we could make that would be faster if we're doing it our way instead of doing it the the custom post types way. And there's metadata and stuff that we could get if we're doing it this way instead of that way. So so we do use the the WordPress coding standards as a base, but we we've also sort of tried and started to doing to you know putting our own our own sort of footprint on that a little bit. 
So can you give me an example of where your coding standards may differ or? Um, um, well, we have a specific, we have specific, uh, well, the classes and models uh, systems um, that, that Brent and, and Darren have been working on, which I know nothing about. <laughs> but, I, but that's more of our sort of thing than, than WordPress's thing specifically. And then also we have um, standards in terms of how we're naming uh, hooks and filters. Um, so that we have a specific naming, um, uh, specific naming styles so that we know, like you know, action hook or, or espresso action hook is an action, and you know, I don't know. Espresso, so. yeah, I think it's yeah. a special hook filter is is one, and then espresso action hook or something yeah. like that. What is it? So it just makes it easier to find find things. Go ahead. Sorry. Darren says we tend not to use Yoda conditionals. What's a Yoda conditional? If false or if if false it's, equals Jedi, then do something yeah. instead of if Jedi equals false. So it's it's when you put the the variable or the subject or whatever in front of the subject the the parameter in front of the variable. Yeah, it's like German word order. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we mostly we avoid that because it confuses Seth. <laughs> so, one other question with regard to your development there, do you, um, who's the decider? Like, if you guys have a um, coding standard sort of thing, do you have a lead developer who says, no, you know, this is the way we're going to do it this round? Brent is sort of the lead developer, but I think it's sort of, um, I mean, I, th I think they, they collaborate a lot and, and, and you know, make decisions as a, as a team as opposed to one person being the enforcer. And we, use, we use the boxing ring a lot, too. <laughs> or, or so, uh, so the guys up in Canada they go have a hockey game real fast between yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um back back to the the challenges I've got uh, some questions from Dean and from John and then ours um, and Dean is over in uh, Finland so you know being distributed that he's almost on a completely opposite time difference um, yeah one of the one of the challenges he said for him has been getting getting to grips with the internals of the plugin. Um, you know, he's he's mostly does support and doesn't do you know the coding side of things, but um, and support doesn't necessarily need to know as much about the guts of the plugin as as you know one of the developers. But um, but since he's sort of the uh, flip of us um, in terms of the time difference, um, he kind of has to go it alone and figure things out on his own in terms of dealing with the support questions that come in. So he's had to sort of dig into the code and and, um, and he says working for the most part alone, it, it really benefits having a broader knowledge, um, but the plugin is really big and complicated, um, which obviously takes some time to, to come to grips with. And then uh, Jonathan, um, who just sent his in after the show has started, um, he his previous his previous job was was sort of an office uh, corporate job. Um, so one of his challenges has been is that has been the tradition transition um, from working uh, an office job to a, a software startup, um, and uh, getting and then obviously getting up to speed with how the how the specific software works. Um, but he says learning something new every day is what keeps it exciting. Um, Seth, do you want to talk about, do you want to do your answers? Uh, sure, yeah. So the biggest challenge for me uh, personally here at Vinespresso um, from the very beginning, uh, 
you know, I, th I think keeping up, keeping up with everything that was going on um, has been one of my big, biggest challenges. You know, it was it was extremely hard, um, you know, to keep up with with feature requests and customizations and customer support, and then all the financial, you know, stuff that was going on in the back background. You know, just keeping up with all that stuff. You know, when I first released the plugin, I was working. I was just working on everything by myself, and you know, I was, I was, uh, I was, I was working a full-time job at the same time, and um, my like one of our co-founders, Garth. Um, I was I was in his ear all the time, telling him, you know, hey, check this out. You know, look what I made on the on the plugin, and or look at this project I'm working on for this customer and stuff like that. And so. And as the years went on, you know, I did that for what I think it was almost two years or a year and a half, I think, while I was working with Garth. And I was like, hey, you should come come help me out here. <laughs> this thing is this thing is growing, and you know, I, Garth is really skilled at um, at marketing and uh, financial stuff. And so, you know, he uh, I, I eventually talked him into uh, coming in and helping out and becoming part of the part of a two-man team at, at that point and then we brought on Chris and and then things started falling together it was uh it was, it was really cool um and then if I had it all if I could had it to do over again how would I approach how would my approach you're skipping ahead you're skipping ahead Seth we haven't gotten to that question yet oh oh so we're going <laughs> question to question okay yep. Sorry. Yep. you go Chris <laughs> okay so so for me um one of the biggest challenges has been people wrangling um uh, as, as our, especially as our team started growing uh, beyond the early days, when it, two years or so uh, ago, when it was just Seth and Garth and I, and we started adding more developers and and then support team, um, it's been a sort of a constant challenge from going to the from the point of okay, this is a great idea, let's do it, let's implement it, to actually making it happen, um, which involves a lot of checking in on people, making sure there are deadlines, stuff that could be taken care of by a project manager, and I'm really really bad at that. Um, we, and at the time, we didn't really have that, and then it became my job to sort of try to wrangle people and and figure out. And and in the process, I learned just how difficult it is to be a project manager and how much you need to really be involved in, in almost every aspect of of whatever the project is. Um, on the flip side uh, of that, I've I've learned a lot of uh, from just getting tired of trying to wrangle people and 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 get something done to just saying. Um, Okay, fine. I'll just do it myself and digging into the code and figuring out whatever the problem is, and um, because nobody else really had time to to do that. Yeah. So next, <laughs> next All right, question. Next question. So, uh, Seth, if you had it to do over again, how would you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you let me go first. All right. <laughs> um, you know, at the very beginning, I was, I was. I wasn't much of a programmer at all, um, you know, and so a lot of what I a lot of what I know now I learned over the years of just by trial and error, you know, doing things the wrong way most of the time, you know, as as uh, some of the uh, core developers might, you know, have seen in, in my code. <laughs> but um, there's you know several years worth of of you know doing stuff the wrong way and, and then coming back through and doing it the right way or trying to do do it the right way or doing you know doing a completely different implementation of what I was trying to do before. 
you know. So I think if I could do it all over again, I I would start over by uh, you know being trying to become a better programmer. Uh, maybe going, maybe taking some programming classes or some you know some uh, you know computer science classes, that type of thing. Um, I think uh, you know that would have helped. That would have helped me. Um, and of an espresso and our customers, you know, in the long run, if if I had a little bit more experience, but you know, I think um, I, I've learned a lot though from from this whole from this whole thing, and you know, I found that you know, if you can't do something right, get somebody, find somebody who can, and you know, they can do it better than you. And Brent Brent has has made the comment in the past that that Seth is a genius at using. <laughs> PHP duct tape to get things to work <laughs> passably in a way that would never have realistically and conceivably worked in the like just to somehow make it happen. Uh, <laughs> so PHP duct tape was there's a lot of PHP duct tape in the early versions of Espresso. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Darren says um, is is similar to what what Seth said is is from this perspective of Espresso. Um, you know, changing our processes, and we've implemented a lot of systems and processes in the last last six months that would have been um, a, a real benefit from if you know if we if we had known that you know six months or a year or two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, if I could, one of the things I would change, um, I would probably go back and try to do things the WordPress way. You know, as far as coding and adding hooks and filters and stuff, but. You know, we we get a second chance now with with Venespresso 4.0, so to do it right. For me, um, uh, if I would have done things different, if I could do things different, I think I, I when I started at Event Espresso, I guess I sort of I sort of assumed that Seth and Garth knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> so so they're all they're, wrong. Were you were totally <laughs> wrong on that one, huh? Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, that's that's the thing, right? I mean. And when when you're doing a when you're doing a, a WordPress uh, business based on WordPress or a plugin or a themed shop, um, you're just you're making it up as you go along, um, and and you can sort of look at what other plugins or theme shops are doing and, and sort of try to model what you do based on them. But um, but it's all just guesswork, and, and we're we're really we're we're navigating through uncharted territory. So that there may be a, there might have been times where you know I didn't necessarily agree with something or a decision. Um, but I assumed that everything was fine and, and you knew what you were doing, so I would just, you know, I kept quiet. I think that maybe taking initiative and, and getting involved in the process earlier um, and asking hard questions that demanded answers um, could have helped us as a team and, and the plugin overall. Um, yeah. Yeah, we just kind of threw Chris right into the fire. <laughs> I threw Garth right into the fire, too. Yep. You know, I said, here, here's some, here, these guys are, these customers. in the forums. Are, yeah, these customers are hounding me for your answers. <laughs> Go in, you'll give them some answers. And so basically I end up, you know, answering the questions for everyone, and then they, they took it and relayed it back to, you know, whoever in their own words and stuff like that. So That's one of the, the issues that I've had too, just as a business, is, you know, going from one person to, you know, we were, at one point we were up to five people, and, and you, you do that and so much of the stuff is in your head or you've had to deal with so much stuff and then formalizing that process and saying, okay, we actually do have coding standards and here's what you do or mm -hmm. here's how we handle customer requests and support and here's what you can say to customers. That's a, yeah. 
the, the growing pains. And, and like you said, Chris, I think a lot of it is that we're in a way forging new territory or you know, shooting from the hip a little bit. There are other people who have done this before, but uh, Event Espresso has got its own unique. Yeah, yeah the, the interesting thing about Event Espresso, um, you know, even compared to other plug-in shops is um, when people are, are looking at Event Espresso, they're not necessarily WordPress people to start. Um, whereas if you're looking at Gravity Forms, you're probably already a WordPress person. You have a WordPress site, you want a form plugin. Or if you're looking at a, a theme shop, you already have WordPress installed. You just need a theme for it. For, for Event Espresso, we're a little bit unique in that um, people are looking to build an event registration site. So the, the, the experience level with um, a lot of Event Espresso customers is, is less, you know, less experience with WordPress specifically. So, so there's a lot more, um, we need to, to devote a lot more attention to support and, and education and, and teaching people, you know, this is how you do this in WordPress, um, even before we get to the point of this is how you do this in Event Espresso. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Next, next question. Next question. Um, so what upcoming or new features are you most excited about? I think pretty unanimously this was 4.0. <laughs> 4.0. Uh, various <laughs> parts of 4.0. Um, what parts of 4.0 have you most excited? Darren's really excited about the messaging framework, which is obvious because he wrote it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and he's also excited about the, the new model structure that Brent, Brent and Michael have been, have been working on. Um, the messaging framework we've been talking about, um, you know, ways of using that, that framework to, to, ways of using that framework to do different things like using the messaging framework to um, possibly um, when you bring in the add-ons and, th and things, um, having, you know, the invoice, the invoice or the, the ticketing plugin, well, that could be, ticketing could be um, a message uh, type. So, you know, using that messaging framework as a framework and as a, a way of, of adding new functionality. Um, so uh, that was what I think, he said. Uh, Go ahead, I Seth. think uh, Jonathan also, you know, talked about, um, you know, cleaner code, hooks and filters, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, he, he says it will we'll definitely breathe a, be a fresh air, a breath of fresh air to the, to the community. Yeah. I agree. I think those are... I, I'm most those are some of the things I'm most excited about too. I've already been through some of the code. I haven't, you know, as I stated earlier, I haven't been too involved with with the code because I've I've taken kind of taken a step back and just let the let the people who know what they're doing, you know, get it done. And uh, you know, if I start getting in the way, I have gotten in the way, and you know, and by pulling them pulling them away to work on Espresso 3.1 stuff when I get when I get stuck on something, and uh, it just takes them a lot more time it's just to, to try to finagle, try to figure their way out for their way through Venespresso 3.1 and finagle stuff and get things working correctly. Um, so that's, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited for the cleaner code and it's going to be a lot easier to fix, to make bug fixes and add new features. Brent, Brent just sent in his responses late, so I'll probably I'll post these up all on, on the on a blog post, so so people can can actually read the 
from their own words. Um, but one of the things that Brent uh, just mentioned is that he's been trying to rewrite, or he's been spearheading a rewrite of Event Espresso um, to convert it more to object-oriented pro programming, um, which will help us, uh, which will better allow us to um, develop new functionality and features as we move forward, um, which again goes back to the, the cleaner code and, and hooks and filters and stuff that's, you know, good. Um, are there a bunch of support issues that you guys see where you're just like, oh, when 4.0 comes out, it's just going to handle all this? All the time. <laughs> all the time, yeah. It yeah, I'm getting requests from customers to do fun things with Event Espresso, like, can you make it do this, this, and this, and the checkout process do this? And, um, you know, in its current state, sometimes it's really hard to mm -hmm. sort of manipulate that. And, uh, yeah. We're, we, are as, we are as acutely aware of the limitations of and, and the frustrations that people have with Event Espresso as any Event Espresso user because I mean not only do we see it in the forums but we're dealing with it every day and you know like if, if we could make it if we could have made it do that it would definitely be doing that because we've had that thought too yeah and we all I mean most of the guys on the team we all eat our own dog food you know they they do other stuff outside of Event Espresso such as setting up websites for their churches or their you know, it's a community organization stuff like that, and they they use Event Espresso as well. You know, to to set up these new sites for the for the registration. This is how Event Espresso was started by because my wife needed um, a registration system, and there I couldn't find a good a good match for her needs and stuff. And so you know, our guy is Brent. He started with Event Espresso by use, using it on one of his customers' websites. Uh, Chris, he had he had his early days in the forums. Yeah. Yeah, and same with the same with uh, I think Jonathan and and um, you know Darren. We kind of Darren we kind of pulled in because we needed his help with the website and stuff. But uh, he's used he's used it on one of his customers' websites. Um, who else? And um, you know most of the guys that work with us are you know are Venespresso users. So we're all like Chris said, we're all, all acutely acutely aware of of uh, some of the limitations and you know. Problems with the code and stuff in its current in its current state. Yeah. Yeah, and the only thing the only thing in terms of things I'm excited about um, that that's different than what everybody else has has sort of already thrown in is is that I'm um, you know I, I haven't like Sal I haven't I haven't really looked at the code that much um, and I haven't really done that much testing on 4.0 yet. Um, so every time that Brent or Darren are talking in IRC or or wherever. Um, I, I get this sort of kid in a candy shop. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Um, and and um, but I'm also excited to see what other people do with it um, because this is going to have a lot more of a of a foundation for third party development for extensions for people to to build their own plugins based on Event Espresso. Um, that with the API, I mean, I, I'm really excited just to see how other people start using start using things. Yeah, yeah that'll be cool. You know, Chris, you mentioned a little bit ago that. Um, when people sh are shopping for Gravity Forms, are usually WordPressy people, and and not necessarily that with Event Espresso. And I just want to say, that I think you're exactly right. We've had several leads from people who have just been out shopping for event management and come across Event Espresso and say, you know, we don't have WordPress, we've got Joomla or something like that, but we want to rebuild so that we can make this the focus of our business. Yeah, and one of the we things that, that plays. 
one of the things that plays into that too is, um, and one of the unique uh, features of Event Espresso, um, that it's easy for us as as the Event Espresso team and as developers and as support people, well, maybe not, maybe less so as support. Um, but one of the things that's easy to forget is is that there are not a lot of event registration systems in general. Um, or you know specifically within WordPress, but in general too, that are um, localized into other languages, because um, mm. we have a lot of people who are in Europe, who are in South America, who are you know all over the world who are using Event Espresso because we actually have uh, language files, um, and that was definitely from the start, um, especially when we started doing that. One of the things that set us apart from uh, from the other event registration plugins out there because there, you, you look at events man, events calendar pro and all these other things um, they don't have you know they don't have as many translations they don't have internationalization they don't have these things um, built in as much and so even even where our, our internationalization isn't like a hundred percent or isn't as good as it could be um, it's there um, it's there for people to use and people are using it. So people, um, not just domestically in America and Canada um, and English speaking countries are using it, but people outside of those areas are also using it. Do you get like free contributions where people say, hey, I translated this and here are my language files? We, um, we have a GlotPress site. Um, okay. And so we have uh, translators submit the translations through that. Um, we were doing it, we were doing it through just PO files originally. Um, but that became really hard to manage because we do give discounts for people who complete translations. And so then it's like, okay, we'll give you the, the files and then they come back. And by the time they come back, well, we've changed the, the POT file, the master file, you know, in that time, or it's been several months and we gave them the plugin so that they could test and they don't have, they're not done yet. So we just gave that plugin away. And so this way we can manage, you know, multiple contributors at the same time on the same language file. It's sort of a centralized place. We can see how much is, is done and, and, you know, and, and manage it that way. How many uh, translators do we have right now? Do you think? Many, many. many? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, a lot. <laughs> um, what, uh, what do you think about like... Not, not all of them. Not all of them are actively contributing right now. Um, but I know that there is a, probably at least 50 that have at least applied and, and are, are currently in the system. How many different languages do we have now? I know we have it on the um, website somewhere, but that might it's it's like twenty it's like twenty six I think twenty six different language file. Um, there's probably like um, six to eight that are in a, a pretty decent state. Um, German is is Marco, um, who's the the German translator, or the one that's been doing most of the German translation. He's amazing because every he's always on there updating that, and so the German's almost always up to date. Um, and then and then it's sort of well, I can actually look. Um, Marco's in our in our IRC. Yep. Uh, chat a lot he's too. Been, he's been hanging out there. Um, yeah. So so German is the most, and then Norwegian has been making a comeback. <laughs> And uh, and the Dutch language file has been getting up to has been getting some updates as well as the Spanish. Um, so we, yeah, we've got we've got um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven that are that are above fifty percent translated. And one of those being um, British English. So that that kind of sort of doesn't count. <laughs> that's that's been Dean because he lives in he's he's from uh, he's from England. So he's been he's been converting our 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 language file to to English as opposed to English. <laughs> yeah. 
So let's see. So any, do you have anything else for us, Eric? Or? Well, I've got other questions for you. Um, sure. So you guys did a post a while back about your toolbox, and I think I kind of mentioned this before we started, but um, I always find it really interesting to see what tools uh, you know developers or development houses use to get what they need done. And of course, we can go back and read that blog post, but I would just be interested in hearing from each of you, like, what are your top three tools that you just can't do without to accomplish your job? Um, well, we use Codebase, um, uh, which is what it's a it's repository management ticket tracking. Um, it's CodebaseHQ.com. And so that's that's where we do that's where our our um, internal repositories are are stored, and that's where our major ticket tracking thing. Uh, Stuff happens. Um, and we obviously use BBPress in the forums. Um, we also use we also base. use um, we also use Asana, um, which is another project managing management tool. We use that more for um, the stuff, the the people management stuff. Hmm. That's not uh, you know so so not necessarily a ticket that would that relates to something specific in the code, um, which is what code basis for. This would be you know I need to do this over here right? or you know these are the open waiting topics in the forums or we've got this customer who's got a support token here's their information so it's more and we can assign that stuff and put comments on that stuff. Asana is really good for that sort of stuff. We also use Asana for the like our agendas for our right, monthly for, and, for our weekly and. Support meetings. We have we have weekly and and uh, support and development meetings, and so we use Asana for for agendas and that type of thing as well. Like right now, we're using Asana to uh, you know for our agenda for the show. Um, um, Darren says in IRC uh, in all caps with several exclamation points. Git. Um, <laughs> we've we've recently converted from some from some version to Git in the last year, and so we use Git for our. Um, all of our repositories are Git repositories now, and then now we've got some of our stuff up on GitHub too. Mm -hmm. And Google Aaron also says Sublime Text too, which is my uh, code editor of choice now. Yep. Wicked fast. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we've been trying to get uh, Seth to use Sublime Text too. Yeah, you wouldn't believe what I'm still using. Um, <laughs> came out in the 90s, late no, 90s, I'm Dreamweaver. sure. <laughs> I'm using Dreamweaver. I've been using it for who knows how long, um, and I've tried like Sublime Text. I've tried text, you know, uh, what is it? The, uh, the some of their text editors and stuff like that. But I'm just so familiar with it. It's hard to move. It's hard to move away from from to another platform. Sure. Yeah. You know? And I have it installed on like every computer, and so every time I, you know, go to a different computer, it's there. Yeah. Um, we also use uh, uh, Google Hangouts a lot for for our meetings and stuff, and, and also for meeting with with clients or people that are um, asking for customizations and that sort of thing. Yeah, they're really handy, aren't they? So, are you guys using Google Apps for your email and stuff as well? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah before they before they pulled it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do the same. It's just the best five dollars per seat. I could spend every month, you know. It's just yeah, yeah. a no-brainer. <laughs> well, we we've been we started yeah. off on the free version, right? You know, some time yeah. ago, Revenge Espresso has been grandfathered in. Yeah. yeah, so, but I think if we go over like fifty people or something like that, then we have to start paying like five or ten dollars a month. Yeah. Something. 
right now we only have how many are on on the team right now? Chris, ten of us, I guess. That sounds about right. There, there's ten. So, yeah. Well, we got about ten minutes left, guys. Do we want to uh, talk about anything else? Like, well, um, you can say happy birthday to Event Espresso. Oh yeah, happy birthday this week. This, you guys um, have date for um, the new version, like. Do you have any? Well, uh, actually, the um, the beta version of uh, Event Espresso Arabica is available now on the pre-release channel. Um, and there's going to be a blog post about what it is and what it isn't and what you can and can't do with it. Um, that'll that'll be posted after this after the show. Um, but basically, you can you can download it now and start using it um, with a few caveats because it doesn't have a direct upgrade from the current version, so you wouldn't want to put it on your site that's already running Event Espresso. Uh, but you can start using it um, and playing with it and testing it. And uh, um, so, yeah, uh, we'll be continuing to work on uh, bug fixes and anything that comes up in the forums through testing um, through the next month before, um, before it's actually out in the world. But um, even so, we'll, we'll, we'll need to, you know, by necessity, support both both versions for a while um, until there is an actual upgrade path um, from from 3.1 uh, also um, Darren thought we should mention uh, the tracking that we were, that we're putting into 3.1 that's um, coming out in 3.1.32 actually um, we're gonna start tracking um, some of the features that people are using it's it's an opt-in it's gonna be opt-in based so kind of like uh, Press Trends does, um, you know, they, they're track, they track everything that you do in, in WordPress or whatever. What we're doing is tracking what, you're, what features um, you're using in, in, in Event Espresso, such as gateways, um, you know, are you using the venue manager, are you using the staff manager, those types of things. Um, and this will, this will help us guide the development of, of the Arabica you know, mm -hmm. series so that we can the stuff that people are using more we can add into the plugin first, and particularly the gateways. You with um with the initial with the initial release of of four that's that's in the pre release channel now it only supports PayPal, so it's basically it's the freemium version. Um, and so we're going to be putting the gateways in after the fact, and we want to base that off of actual usage information. So um, when we start getting that information back, we'll know okay these are the five gateways that that people are most using, and so we need to get these in to the next versions so that we can you know when we so we can actually start getting people to use the new version and then the other gateways will you know can come later or if nobody's using them anymore then maybe they'll just drop off and go on to github or something so is that something that um, you are just looking at whether or not the add-on plugin is enabled like you know are they using this gateway or the mailchimp add-on or something like that or are you actually going further to see if they're using it within an event um, currently um, right now, we're the only thing that we're tracking is is gateway usage. Okay. Um, you know, then we will probably try to move on to what add-ons people are using, mm -hmm. and then um, you know we we might go into you know later on down the road. We don't you know when when our when the system when when the system is is a little bit better developed or more developed. Um, has progressed a little bit better. Um, we might try. We might start tracking 
um, some some data such as like how many events a month or, or a year you're you're running maybe, um, and then you know what uh, yeah like what plugins like you mentioned what plugins and, and that type of thing. Um, right now we just you know we don't have the capability. We're, we don't want to overload our servers with too much data and stuff right now. So we're, we're gonna we're this is kind of a a start to the to the system. Uh, or it's this. Uh, it's kind of a slow start to the to the tracking system. Um, so we're just trying to get the minimal minimal data right now, or a small amount of data right now, and then we'll move forward with tracking more as we progress. Um, it and you know, like Chris said, we're only tracking things that help us, you know, to make decisions that benefit our, our customers. Yeah. Too. So no, we're not going to be tracking like you know uh, email addresses and stuff like that or attendee information or anything like that we have no interest in, in any of that stuff we just want to make sure that you know we want to make sure we're, we're progressing with Venespresso in the right direction for our, for the majority of our customers basically um, yeah, I mean it is a big plugin and especially if it's being you know rewritten from scratch pretty much and um, it's just uh, it 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 would be impossible to just to rewrite everything from the from the beginning, you know. So yeah. we need to and we need to prioritize and figure out what people are actually using. And and you know, there's there's so many things in Ventispresso that people are using in a way that wasn't the way that we had originally thought um, when it was written. So there's you know, we want to know what people are doing. Right. Yeah. Right now we don't we have we don't have any idea what what you know what our most popular gateway is going to be. You know what plugins most people are are running, you know, on a daily basis, you know, that type of thing, or what features they may ha they may be using. And in the past, the best feedback that we've gotten in terms of how people are using Event Espresso has come from the forums, which is accurate in a way because it's accurate based on how people in the forums are using Event Espresso. But there are tons of people that are using the plugin that are not posting anything in the forums, um, and so we need to we need to consider how they're using Event Espresso too. Yeah, I noticed that Yoast Devolk is doing that now with like WordPress SEO. When you enable it, it'll say, you know, what can we enable tracking? And it's got a little disclaimer there, but that makes a lot of sense. And and I know, you know, there just like you said, there's a lot of people that use Event Espresso that won't participate in the forums or that um, that just don't like if you were to send them a poll and say, hey, what features do you most want? You know, they may or may not answer the poll, but if they, if they could just say yes, enable tracking and know that you're not going to collect personal data, it could be really valuable to you. Yeah. Yeah, right now we're in the process of, uh, um, I guess, uh, writing the, you know, writing up a privacy policy um, and then writing up the information, writing an overview of our, we, we're calling it the user experience. Um, what was it called? The user experience. User experience improvement program. Yes, user experience improvement program. Yeah, it's a mouthful. Um, so right now we're just writing up documentation on how what what information we're tracking, um, how we're going to use that data, and then you know as I as I stated earlier, our, our privacy policy and, and that type of thing. So mm -hmm. we're trying to get that rolled out before we. Uh, Launch, put this into the pre-release channel. Put uh, three point. I guess it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be in three point one point three two, which is in the pre-release channel right now. But we're trying to get the documentation up right before we actually implement that 
that uh, opt-in feature and stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, and so I asked the question about how you're tracking that, just because I, I've been in several WordPress installations where they use Event Espresso, and you know, if they get the developer or the business package or whatever, they just start loading it up with add-ons that aren't. <laughs> So it'd be neat if you could measure what they're actually using within an event rather than just what they've got installed because I don't think that's necessarily a true picture of what they're using. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna try to do that. And right now it's 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 a really um, the system isn't I mean we just we, we had this and we wanted to get this out, especially for the gateways, because that's gonna directly uh, yeah. influence the the direction of where the four point one development goes. Um, so we wanted to get this out, you know, as quickly as possible so we can start getting that information. Um, so it's it's gonna send the data back, but it's really just gonna hit our database and and say there's someone's gonna have to go through the database and find what people have done. But at, at a certain point we'll have a page and we can see like these are the most used features of this is how many people are using this specific feature and we can hopefully go into like events and and see like you know they've got categories enabled and this person over here doesn't have any categories and you know. yeah right now we're right now we're just trying to, to basically collect as much information as we can you know related to the to Venespresso mm -hmm. usage um, we, we still need to build reporting interfaces and all that so Right now, if we wanted to know who, what gateways are being used, we have to write a go into the, you know, into the database and write a custom query. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um, I have one other question for you that I had thought about, which is, um, you guys kind of have a freemium model in a way. You've got the Venespresso free within the plugin repository at WordPress.org, but. Mm -hmm. And you've got your own paid version. I, I wonder if you could speak to how that's worked for you. You know, some some companies that have a commercial version just flat have a commercial version. That's all you get. You have to pay for it to get it. Mm -hmm. um, but um, but I've heard some folks say that the freemium model is a way to graduate people up. Um, I've also heard some negatives of that as well. So I'd like to give a chance to say. Yeah. Um, good question. We've had this question uh, quite a bit. I've even had a. Uh, uh, Carl Hancock from uh, Gravity Forms a few a couple years ago asked me about about mm -hmm. the same question, and um, you know, I, I I'll tell you what I told him. I think it's a great start to it's a great way to get your your plugin or your software in front of many thousands of users, you know, rather than just trying to get something out there and hoping that it spreads with word of mouth, mm -hmm. you know. Because it gives people a chance to, you know, to to actually see how the plugin works or how your software works before taking the, the step to the, that next step of of you know pulling out their wallet and, and paying for something. You right. know, I, I mean, it, I use free. I, I always, you know, I think most of us always go with the free model. Anyway, you know, on anything. Anyways, you know, if there's a free demo or something, I'm going to try the demo and. Make sure, make sure it's what I want. It's it. Make sure it's what I want before, you know, shelling out, you know, fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, or whatever, you know. Yeah, and I know uh, that I know that you know Garth with with being the the numbers guy, um, like tracks the the number of downloads and and on on WordPress.org and and how um how that correlates to how our sales get generated and stuff and and basically sort of you know 
what's in the repository is sort of kind of like a lead generating mechanism. Like, you know, this is, you throw this out there for free, let people look at it, play with it. And we can even say, you know, if you want to try it out on your site without any, without signing up for anything, without, you know, anything, um, download the free version and see what you think and see if that works for you. And then, and then you can buy the premium version if you want. Um, I, it does have its drawbacks, you know what I mean? Because people see the free version and they're, like, oh, this doesn't have the this doesn't have the features I'm looking for. On to the next thing, you know. But they, a lot of times they come they they come full full circle and they'll try the other plugins and then they'll come back and just purchase Venespresso because mm-hmm. you know it has you know it does sometimes it does more than what the other person needs or or what the other than what other plugins have, but you know sometimes other plugins do more than we than 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 we do. So sure. it, it's a it's a great way to I I I would much rather have our customers um, try the free version, make sure that it works on their system, um, you know, kind of get familiar with it rather than just plopping down, you know, eighty bucks or $180, dollars, you know, and, and then come back and say, hey, it's not working for me or you know, it doesn't do this and that, and then requesting a refund or whatever. Right. But, uh, you're going to get that anyways, but, you know, I, so, I'd much rather have them, you know, take it for a spin first. Sure. I, one, one thing that I noticed, like, we've got um, several plugins in the WordPress repository. They're all much smaller than a Venespresso, usually with just one little task, like testimonials or something. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting to me is that once we put them out there, um, people were using them in ways I could never have foreseen. I noticed Darren in the chat room, it's important for us not to make some assumptions about how people use Venespresso. And, um, and I learned that sort of the hard way. I mean, it was really interesting. You know, we'd get a support question. I go, I never thought of that. You know, <laughs> totally confused. Yeah. But, um, but one thing that I, I've talked to a few people about is do you, do you see a difference in the, quality of support questions or the attitude of people requesting support from the free version as opposed to the paid version? Like, do you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can frame the question a little bit. I, we deal a lot with like shop, uh, you know, for um, e-commerce kind of stuff. So if we're doing straight e-commerce, not events, we might use shop. And I was talking to uh, Jonathan, the lead developer, Jonathan Davis, and asked him why he didn't have a free version within the the WordPress repository, you know, in order to get shop, you have to pay 55 bucks period. And, um, and his answer was basically, you know, I, I wanted to put up a paywall to reduce the amount of, um, chatter. I, I'm, I'm not doing a good job of quoting him, but basically people who get it for free come and ask stuff and they're really bullish and they expect a lot of support for free. But, um, but by sort of putting up that paywall, he got a higher quality of people who had already bought in. And then, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can I can definitely. I mean, I've got some plugins that are my own that are up in the WordPress repository, and and you know you have you put something in the WordPress repository, you're gonna have to expect um, to deal with support. Um, and how you deal with support is going to reflect not only on, you know, maybe on your business, but on you as a person too. So, um, you need to, need to handle that stuff really carefully and, and, and it's definitely something that needs to be considered. And so a lot of people do come into the WordPress, uh, repository and they'll, they'll post in the forums and, and they'll, you know, people tend to be for some reason, um, I don't know, more, more aggro about free stuff. Um, whereas if they, when they pay something there, they, 
tend to be, you know, a little bit more respectful. Maybe um, sometimes not. I mean, obviously, if there's there's something that's that's busted or not doing things the way that they had expected it to do, they'll they'll obviously be be um, upset about that in the in in the paid forums. But um, I think that in general, um, in general, I think the paid forums are um, tend to be a little bit nicer place to live than. Uh, than the WordPress.org support forums at times, especially since you know uh, dealing with support. Um, you know, we have this paid version, and part of what you're paying for is support. So, what we can actually provide on .org um, is, by necessity, going to be of lower. I don't know impact. I don't want to say necessarily lower quality, but it's we're not going to put as much attention or time or focus on on that area because this is what you buy the plugin for this is the whole point of paying for the plugin is is so you get that support um, but at the same time we also can't ignore those people because then that's going to reflect badly and then if you just ignore those questions then they're not going to turn into a customer so yeah. yeah it's sort of a it's sort of a fine line it's definitely something that that needs to be um, navigated sort of carefully did you feel extra pressure um, to answer WordPress.org support forum questions when they added the feature that shows how many threads have been answered in the last two months? They've got that rolling figure on the side. Oh, yeah. 13 of 17 threads have been answered. I don't uh, pay we attention don't, to that on it. Yeah, we, don't get a lot of, <laughs> we don't get a lot of questions in the WordPress.org forums because we try to direct yeah, we get a lot of We get a lot of bad reviews instead, instead of, yeah. instead of questions. <laughs> yeah. So we, we get a we get our fair share of uh, bad reviews, um, you know, but that, I think that comes with the territory, basically. Um, yeah. You know, people will, you know, if we don't have a feature, you know, maybe however obscure or popular the feature may be, you know, if we don't have that feature or it doesn't work exactly how they want it to work, then it seems like they're more inclined to just go into WordPress.org forums and try to try to, uh, you know, say something negative than, than say something positive. You know, that's yeah. that's my take on it. I see, and I see it happening with a lot of other plugin developers. You know, um, the, the, they get very little good feedback. You know, it's just people go in there and they'll just say, oh, this doesn't work, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they'll put, give it a one-star rating or whatever. Yeah. You know, and then every once in a while, you will get somebody in there that, that gives it, you know, that'll go in there and and give it a one or two star rating, but they'll actually give a, a little bit better feedback. And that's what I wish more people would do is, you know, if you're going to leave a negative rating, please explain why you're le you're leaving that that type of feedback and, and you know, go into depth of, about what didn't work or what you would like to, to see in a, in a future version instead of just saying, you know, you guys suck. Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, we know, we, you know we, we try to suck less every day, but, you know, come on, give us some feedback to go on that, to, to make us better, to help you, you know? That's going to be the, uh, that's gonna be the show title as we try to suck say, less every new, day. That should be your new company model. We're going to try and suck a little less every day. <laughs> You know, and that's, it's not just us, it's, you know, everybody. It, Pippin, Pippin talks a lot about, about um, reviews in the, um, in the .org repository, and he has a really good blog post about that on, on Pippin's plugins. Yeah, uh, yeah. He did yeah. it, he really did a good job of, of laying it out, you know, and, and, you know, 
I like Pippin. I didn't like him at first, but uh, he... <laughs> you didn't like him because he thrashed on events. Yeah, because he he was one of those people like you guys suck <laughs> or whatever you know in the very beginning. But then, but then he followed up and he took you know he, he yeah took the time. I like him though. He's a good, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. I wish to, I've had that happen too, where people just go leave a negative review, and I mean it doesn't happen a lot, but what drives me crazy is if they just didn't ask for help, you know, like, this yeah. didn't work for me. well, tell me why it didn't work, or, or show me the thread where you asked, you know, how can I get this to work, where I answered, Oop, it's not going to work for you, and then give me <laughs> your review. Yeah. So, I think uh, we, we probably need to start wrapping up. We've gone over, we usually try to keep this to about an hour. Yeah. Um, one of the things we wanted to mention was uh, this month is Venespresso's birthday, so, um, you can use the the, the uh, coupon code Happy Birthday, all one word, to get twenty percent off of Venespresso this till the end of the month. And then uh, we have a new hot fix coming out that's gonna hopefully fix some of the. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna fix some of the event overview uh, craziness that happened in the last couple months. We had accidentally released some things. That, weren't really fleshed out, so uh, we got to keep an eye out for a hot fix. It's going to fix a couple things in the admin area. Yeah, we're so. we're we we are well. We're basically we're playing with the event overview, uh, and and that retrieve the next fifty or hundred or whatever uh, feature that was added in for. Um, Basically, it was added in in the beginning for people that had a, a lot of events that were just so many events that just made the page just die. Um, and so we added this sort of throttling feature, but but we are now currently well aware, even internally, that, that the way that things are being sorted is not uh, optimal. Um, and that you have to like we have to go down and click retrieve all to get just the, the most recent event. So we're, we're playing with that, and we're going we're gonna to try to find um, a better way of dealing with that and put it into the next, the next version. Yeah, yeah I, I tested it last night on on a site with over 400 events, um, and then I I gave it to a couple of customers. Um, one one of the customers has over 1,200 events or something like that, I think, and he's like he just said it's a major improvement. Our developer Brent went through and uh, he cleaned up some of the queries, and and he as he stated he went down the rabbit hole of uh, of some of the code and, and figured out what where things were breaking or where things were going wrong and so um, we we fixed some of that stuff a lot of that a lot of the event uh, overview stuff in the admin and attendee overview um, in the last couple of days so we're pretty excited to get that out and, uh, and we're releasing it as a hot fix because um, you know some of these things have been kind of mounting up and you know, causing a, a few problems for our customers. And but I think this is going to be a major improvement, and we're pretty excited to get it out. So, so cool. anything else? Uh, did are you? Uh, you said uh, you're looking for contractors, Eric. Uh, do you want to? Yeah. Do you have somewhere for people to go to to contact you? Or uh, we do. Yeah. Um, I had a thread on the Event Espresso forums, and then oh, yeah. I would say if you just Right now, we've got a, a page up on our site, but I forget what the URL is, honestly. You can just look us up on the pro thing and then espresso and send me an email. Mm -hmm. that, okay. That's all I really need. The other thing I wanted to say, too, um, 
and before we go, we should probably mention is, is Eric also wrote uh, and or built out the groups uh, functionality in uh, the Mailchimp add-on, um, and so I wanted to, um, you know, we've been sort of sitting on it for a while, and I know that we had sort of an early version that was um, that 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 was also testing out yesterday um, that was not working so well, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then, but I, I I was testing out the the new version, and I'm hoping that we can get that that new version up on the pre-release channel, um, maybe today or tomorrow or something, so that people can start using that and get it out there. Because, um, yeah, no, it, it it was pretty slick. So yeah. so you'll be able to to use um, the Mailchimp groups feature, and this is something we talked about. Um, the site that, that Eric, worked, Eric worked on a while ago, Coach Mendo's, Coach Mendo's site, which is a basketball camp, and he was really, really adamant to, about using um, Mailchimp groups. So you have a list, and then you split that list up into into discrete groups. Um, and so this, um, what the contributions that Eric has has added to the Mailchimp add-on will will add is is you'll have a you know your Group, your list drop down, and then within that, you'll have another drop down for which group in in that list you want to send um, people who who sign up for this event. What what list they'll get added to, or what group they'll get added to. So it's pretty right. pretty sweet. So yeah, pretty slick. What brought that on, Eric? So just uh, real quick. What brought that on? Like Chris mentioned, uh, Coach Mendo, and um, and we use Mailchimp here as well, and. Uh, for those of you out there who don't use Mailchimp, their pricing is based on how many total people you have on your list and how many messages you send per month. So, if you had a, a customers list and a vendor list, and it just so happened that you had one person that was on both of those lists, you get charged twice for them. So, what Mailchimp really encourages you to do is have as few lists as possible, but to segment them into a bunch of different groups, and then. Um, and then, you know, so one person can be on a whole bunch of different groups. They might be on customers and vendors and the specific event and all that stuff. So, so that's what really brought it about is trying to conform to what MailChimp wanted to do. And then also, um, for those of you who haven't used MailChimp or services like that, they just provide a ton of metrics on the messages that go out. So in this case, if you set up um, a list for your event and then you plug that into your Mailchimp event, or I'm sorry, your Event Espresso event. Um, when you send out communications, they go through Mailchimp, and then you can log in your Mailchimp account and see how many people opened those, or how many shared on social networks, and that sort of stuff. So over time, you can really learn from the messages that you're sending out, and then hopefully tweak your messaging to you know, maybe better inspire conversion or action or stuff like that. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't even. I wasn't even aware of the uh, the group functionality until you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, you know, so one that. thing that's cool about it is that um, when you so if someone signs up for an event for the first time and they're not on your Mailchimp list at all, then it then it'll send them through the double opt-in process with Mailchimp. So the first time that they sign up for an event, once they've completed that event, it sort of in the background sends their data up to Mailchimp and starts that double opt-in process. So Will send them a message back saying, "Hey, you've, you know, subscribed to the blah 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 list." So then you opt in there. So the next time you go back to a site or that same site and you sign up for an, a different event, since you've already gone through the double opt-in to be on the list, it simply adds you to the new group. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you had um, some sort of like we did a site with Event Espresso for a boys and girls club, and they just have all sorts of events. 
Well, they might have one list and get someone to opt in to an event now, but that person might go to an event every month. And so it just adds them to the incremental lists, which um, is really helpful. There's no additional opt-in for adding to future lists. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty slow. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, we should start using that here. Yeah, th thanks for thanks for doing that, all that work, though, Eric. Yeah. We didn't. I mean, I didn't realize. I didn't real, like. I said I didn't realize there was there was this uh, you know group feature within Mailchimp and stuff like that. Well, and, and the Mailchimp add-on too is was something that we actually outsourced because we needed to have something, and yeah. we had, we outsourced somebody to to build it for us, and and that's you know what what we got is what we got, and that's what we've been using. So, um, yeah. and and another another uh, another. Example of people using uh, Event Espresso and the stuff that we put out there in the ways that we hadn't anticipated. Yeah, because we obviously, I mean, Event Espresso was not using that feature at all. Right. <laughs> well, you guys have uh, anything else? Should we should we wrap start wrapping up? I think that's it for me. Uh, I'm gonna post. Uh, I'm gonna do a blog post about. Uh, the event special 4.0. I'll also post up on the blog uh, the responses to the questions that, that uh, Eric asked us that we went over at the, at the earlier in the show. Um, you can, if you missed this show, which, you know, if you're watching it right now, you didn't miss it, but if you're just catching the tail end, this will be up on the, um, the Hangout Archive page with show notes and stuff. Um, I'd like to thank Eric for, for being on the show. Um, yay. Thank you, Greg. Really. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming, Eric. And uh, and yeah, if, if you want to be on the show, we've got a form uh, down there. Espresso and, head here. And uh, you can sign up for. Uh, you can ask us questions that you want us to talk about on the show next month, or uh, you can, um, you know, say that you want to be on the show and, and tell us a little about yourself. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Yep. yep thanks, thanks for thanks for showing up. Thanks for being All here. Right. Have a great day. Thanks, Eric. Bye-bye. See you around. See ya. Right. Bye, everybody.